The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This is Soulful Living on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Terry Williams. Hey, wherever you are in the world today, I welcome you to another 30 minutes of Soulful Living here at Empower Radio. Before I bring my guest on, Ain Kate Sullivan, I'm going to share a quick story. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I was in a shamanic journey and my great, great grandmother came to me in this journey and she said, you need to dig deeper into your heritage. And I said, oh, I already know my ancestry. And she literally said, no, you need to dig deeper, which of course I did. And, you know, I, I take things that come to me from the spirit realm very seriously. And, um, long story short, I reached out to a cousin who had our, um, family history and was able to, um, pinpoint the great grandmother that uh, that I connected with, and about two weeks later, somebody contacted me through Ancestry.com, who said, "Oh, I'm your cousin, and so and so is our great great grandmother." Well, because I had dug deeper into the family history, I realized that our great grandmothers were actually related; they weren't the same person, and she came back with gobs of information, uh, one of them being that my family originated from an island called Scattery Island that is um, uninhabited right now, but at the time it wasn't, and that most of the people that were on the island migrated down to Clare County in Ireland, and that spurred this whole um, new passion for me. I've been practicing shamanic work for a really long time, but mostly here um, from Western shamanism and Andean shamanism. And I had been feeling really drawn to my Celtic roots. So when my guests, again, that's Anne Kate's, Ayn, I'm sorry, Ayn Kate Sullivan, when her work came across my desk, I was hands down like, yes, super excited about having her on because her work is all around mythology and folklore and she herself studied some of the celtic shamanism techniques so without further ado welcome to soulful living ein thank you for having me on the show yes and thank oh, you so also for doing your research and finding out your deep celtic roots it's very exciting it was super exciting you know i i've always known that i was irish i had no idea how far it went. Um, my great, great grandmother actually had come over on a, on a ship um, and met her husband as soon as she got off the ship. She was one of the only survivors. Um, and, and there's all kinds of other stories, but most of it um, really didn't 
hit home for me until the last year. So when your work came, I was just super excited to have it. And you, um, gosh, like I could, I could idolize you for a good period of time, right? Because you've, (laughs) you've studied with so many different people and you've, um, you know, done a lot of work with a master's and a doctorate in literature from Columbia and a master's in spiritual psychology. You've really just done a lot and you've studied in Ireland for, for many years. I, I was really fortunate. I, I was at Columbia and I was offered a, a uh, overseas research award at King's College London. And mm. I was fascinated at the point I knew that I had British and Irish ancestry. And so when I was given this opportunity, of course, I jumped straight on the plane and went. But I didn't realize that the deal, the deal of my stipend was that I had to to, to spend time in the West Coast of Ireland collecting folklore. There's a, there's a renaissance going in in Ireland right now. Uh, the, the people want to know the, the stories of their land. And, and you know, up until... Uh, for, well, a hundred years ago, I suppose the um, the stories that were told were were Greek and Roman, and it was Lady Gregory who said, "No, no, 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 no. We have the stories of Ireland, and we need to bring them back." Which W. B. Yeats did beautifully, and so now we have the stories of these wonderful, powerful Celts. Especially, I was especially fascinated by the women because I hadn't seen solar goddesses that shine their own light and, and warrior goddesses that, that empower the heroes and, and so forth. Well, even in your intro, you talked about how um, the women in, in our, in our ancestry would not, they wouldn't just take care of the hearth, but they had to take care of everything when the men were <laughs> quote unquote out on the hunt. And to me, that's just such, um, such a huge example of, power and getting lost, you know, that the power of women, the divine feminine, really getting lost in the stories that have transpired over the years. You have to look before the fifth century, but if you go back far enough, they're incredibly powerful stories. I mean, I I believe you read the book, so it starts out with with Danu, the the mother goddess of the Tuatha de Dunan, but then we go right into Kaysar, which is the Labragabala was was one of the original stories of Ireland, it was for a long time considered the history. Now it's a myth, but it's a biblical story. And here we have Kaysar who's not allowed to board the ark. So what do you do? You can't board the ark. You, you make your own ark and set sail. <laughs> right. And, and as we're seeing even women today that are stepping up into politics and uh, really stepping into these various movements, it reminds me of so many different stories that were in your book. Well, we have uh, Anya. Anya is a solar goddess. And if you look at Greek and Roman mythology or, or most other mythologies, I'm not including Norse, but most, most other mythologies, um, the, the women are lunar goddesses. That, me, that means they reflect the light of the masculine or the sun. And what's so fun about the Celts, the Celts are all about equality. They don't want to be more than the masculine, but they want to hold their own light. And so I, I love, I really love uh, the fact that the women and the men unite, they battle together, they're, they become druids together. They're, in, in that, in the system of the, the druids, um, 
they you had to become a bard. You had to learn 250, 250 myths of your people. Then maybe you become an Ovate and you get to become a seer. And it was a very real thing. You learn the Oam, you learn the language of the trees, you learn what you know, seeing a bird means. You, you, learn that, you learn how to walk in an enchanted world. Not, not, you're just not walking down a road. You're walking down a road that has a tree, that has a doorway that leads to other realms. It's very exciting. And then after 20 years, maybe you become a druid. So men and, women, men and women were both druids. They were judges. They were warriors. They were healers. They were everything. So, so finally, they're examples. I was really looking for examples of equality. And so what would you say is the difference between what most of my listeners are probably familiar with, our shamanic teachings and initiations? What would you say are some of the differences between shamanic culture and the Druids? Or, or do you think they're basically the same thing? Shamanic cultures generally and in, in the Druids or the Celtic shamanic tradition? Let's talk about the Celtic shamanic tradition since that's what we're on, right? <laughs> 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 right, exactly. So, well, I'm familiar. I, I study with um, uh, John and Kathleen Matthews, um, who live in Oxford in England, and uh, they're experts in their field. Um, and I'm also part of the Obads, the uh, um, the Order of uh, Bards of its and Druids. So, in in the Neo Druid tradition, there's probably a lot of crossover. So. Um, but I would say most Celtic shamanic practitioners that I know were basically are or are basically ovates. In other words, they're seers. And um, the you know there's a huge resurgence in this tradition right now, a huge crossover. So the neo druids are probably Celtic shamans. So you could say the same thing. But um, I'm amazed at the hundreds and hundreds of people that are joining the orders right now. And I think it, in part it's because, you know, nature, nature's crying out. And right. so there are a lot of people are turning around going, wait a second, you know, we, we've forgotten the body. We've forgotten our mother. We've forgotten the earth. Oh, wait, let's, let's turn around and let's work together with the earth so we can create this golden age that's promised. What they say, 2025 is the golden age. So let's turn around and listen listen to to the cairns and the landscapes and so i i did actually go to the cairns and there's some places that are very powerful one place in particular la crew i remember going into you you uh you crawl on your belly you go in or you you squeeze them through the stone so you feel like you're going back back into the womb of the great mother and in the tradition what you do is you you lean into the stones and you listen to the dreams of the earth Mm. And, you know, that particular place, La Cruz, it's been going on for 10,000 years or so. So, so it's a way of, of connecting deeply to your ancestors and the ancestors in your bloodlines and maybe the ancestors that are your starry beings. Um, but your pulse starts to change. All of a sudden, there's a very, for me anyway, there's this very life-affirming pulse. Oh, I'm, I'm here. I'm finding my place in this world. I, I understand the dreams and visions that want to be born through me, that want to be spoken through me. Very exciting. Mm. Mm. When, when I first began to study shamanic work in, in general, you know, in, and I had, um, I had words, you know, that could voice what I was 
thinking and seeing and people that didn't think I was crazy because I was experiencing these otherworldly um, these otherworldly experiences. And one time my husband and I went to a place called Hocking Hills. It's in Ohio. It's not too far from where we live in Michigan. And I could feel that presence. You know, he's a photographer and he went off to take his pictures. And I just sat within the majesty of these stones and I, and the, and this, you know, treed forest. And I experienced nature and the other worlds deeper than I have ever experienced it. Similar to that, where I just kind of laid back and I, I felt like I was part of it and that I could see the, uh, the, the mother of the rock and the trees unfolding, you know, walking through the oak. And to me, it's a practice that really needed to come back because we had the industrial revolution and we got so far away from, as you said, far away from nature. You know, we, we got into machines and uh, now we're in, in social media and, and locked into our phones and we get so far away from what the spirit realm and nature can really offer us. Yeah, and that can be a great crossover like we're doing right now. Where we spend time in these sacred places, in these dream places, and then we can come and, and talk about it, you know, using our cell phones, which is really pretty terrific. <laughs> right. Um, oh, but, you know, absolutely. There, there is <laughs> this... there, the difference, I would say, between a Druid in the old days and a Celtic shaman now, as a Druid would have trained for 20 years. That's, that's mm-hmm. the difference. You know, where's the Celtic show? You might go do a course and then you call your. You know. So, so there's a depth to the ancient traditions that I believe is starting to come back now. And um, I did start collecting the stories 35 years ago. So <laughs> you know, it does take a while. But I think one of the first things, you know, growing up in this culture, we're, we're taught that there's one reality. When we die, this is it. And then, and then when I actually went to Ireland, I, Irish. And this would be you if you're 70% Irish. They're very mystical people. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, there's something else going on. There's, there's, there's already poetry and music in their soul. So you go to the rambling houses. They, they, these are people, you cannot dampen down their spirits. And they know that there are stories that live in the land. And they dance on that land. And they awaken. You know, they, they're going to dance around the hill of Tar. They're going to dance. They're going to dance at the, uh, the Paps of Anu and they're going to remember their tales and they, and this enlivens the people, whether you're, you're in Ireland as an Irish person or you have Irish blood. I think what there are 9 million people in the U S with Irish blood, but there, the, that poetic nature starts to, to awaken. And then suddenly we're not so frightened of it. You know, when you actually go there and you go and you begin to feel the presence in the land, then, then you go, no, this isn't crazy. This is actually healthy. This is healthy to understand that you're important in this world. And that when you sing with the, you know, if the tree, if there's a storm coming in and the leaves are starting to turn, then you can sing, you can listen to that music and you can sing with that music. And there's something that becomes very alive in you. And then, you know, maybe you want to, maybe there's a ceremony you want to do, or maybe there's a poem that comes through, but you're engaging in a living world. And I think if people lose that, they become depressed. They become sick. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that that's a huge part of what happens, especially like in the winter and that, that, that people 
on top of, you know, what they're losing is that they get stuck inside and they don't go out and really connect even with the winter spirits because it's all there. One of my favorite, um, one of my favorite goddesses was Emer, since we're talking, did I pronounce that right? E-M-E-R? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, she talked about the beauty of Ireland and how she speaks and and her um her you know the love story with uh it's a mouthful yes oh my god and um and the blessing at the end but could you talk a little bit about her and what she went through her journey okay so so in ireland in, in the, um, so Cahoolan is basically the Irish Achilles. He's the great warrior of Ireland. Finn McCool is also, but, but he, he's very well known. Um, and, um, so to, to backtrack with his story, if you remember, there's a, there's another, there's another goddess named Gaia, who's a Scottish mm-hmm. goddess. And in order to become a true hero and warrior, you have to go first to the Isle of Skye and you have to jump a 22 foot ravine. If you have to face this goddess, he will either kill you or sleep with you or turn you into a hero. And you cannot be a hero unless the feminine deems it so, unless you, the masculine embodies the feminine and becomes magical. So I love that mm-hmm. in the, in the mm-hmm, me too. right? So, yes. so Emer, Emer is really a goddess of sovereignty. She's a, she's a beautiful May queen and he can't marry her. He can't obtain her until he's found this inner magic and he can't be the hero. He can't truly be a hero until he marries her either because, mm-hmm. right. He has to marry the land and then the, then he'll be supported by the land. And so Emer, Emer's story, I had never really read that much about Emer apart from the fact that she was his wife. And so, you know, part of, of finding these stories and digging through them and in, in, the, in the next series, we have the, the first woman to achieve the Holy Grail, who's usually called the unnamed sister. First of all, I was like, oh, no, her name is Zendrana. So anyway, so, so Emer, with Emer, I had to go and think about the heroine's journey. The heroine's journey is different than the, the hero's journey. Kuhulin mm-hmm. goes off and he, you know, he becomes this great thing. But, but to be a heroine, um, it, it requires becoming receptive, receptive to the beauty of the land. And so she really, to me, she's the embodiment, the Celtic embodiment of beauty. And, um, and so, you know, maybe confined in some way, she has to be kept safe as the May Queen, she has to be kept safe so she can hold the light of the culture, hold the beauty, the hope for the people. And so, and so that's, that's, that's Emer, you know, the one with the vision, the one, who learns to listen, the one who listens to the leaves, the one who listens to the water, who knows the, the well-maiden. And so, yeah, it's also important, the, her- the heroine's journey, especially right now, like we said, the, the, um, you know, we, we had the industrial age. And what happened? The grail maidens disappeared because we weren't, we weren't paying a- attention to these, mm-hmm. these holy wells, the, the, uh, the wonderful lakes and the streams. We weren't going in and asking for their permission so we start to separate out so emer when we connect to emer to the great beauty to the may queen then it's an invitation to open up it's an invitation for the kings and the heroes too to open up to who they truly are and really without emer you don't you can't do that i always remind my husband my husband's irish he's 
he's a, a Sullivan. So, so when I met him, I said, "Oh, you're one of the Moonster Kings. I know you. I know you're. I, know you're I loved that. I read that in your intro, and I thought that was so cool. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's really Very fun. Cool. We still we still go questing together, and uh, and to find to find stories and so forth. So, well, yeah. and something that you said reminded me of a conversation I had. You know. The kings and the the kings needed it. The knights needed this, and I think today that part of what's missing is the balance of, um, you know, for for lack of a better terminology, the divine feminine and divine masculine. But it's not about just this Me Too movement and punishing. To me, it's more about let's re-educate people, you know, let's reconnect with mm-hmm. the stories and reconnect with our roots. I mean, I have chills from head to toe. Let's relearn. You know, one of, one of my favorite um, sayings that one of my yoga teachers uh, shared a few years ago was learn, unlearn, relearn. And we've been learning a certain way, you know, based upon maybe that industrial age or, or whatever it is, you know, the societal changes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's time to unlearn that stuff and relearn the stories, you know, relearn mm-hmm. to connect with nature and, and with our roots and who we really are, because we are not, uh, we are not what's happening right now in our cultures. That's for sure. No, well, you know, really, what ha- what happened is the feminine the feminine was taken away. The, the Arthurian legend that's what they go look for the Holy Grail, and whether you know, in some traditions that's Mary Magdalene, in some traditions that the just the energy of the the lost feminine. They knew that that the feminine was fading from the land, that the magic was fading from the land, and it's in in that tradition, Amangons is the way is the one the king that goes and rapes all the the grail maidens and they disappear and the land goes into despair. It, it becomes the wasteland mm-hmm. and the waste. And so the weather goes crazy. There's droughts or there's too much rain. There's to everyone, you know, people are sad. Everything's chaotic. That's the wasteland. And we find right. ourselves now in the wasteland. And it's interesting that the King, if you look at his name, it's a man gone. Right. Mm. Wow. And so it's, yeah. Right. Wow. So yes. I didn't even think I, of it that way. Wow. Uh, a man gone. So this is so so it's you know both men and and women have challenges. And right now the book I'm working on right now is called, is called Kings and Heroes. So I I needed to write that for my son you mm-hmm. know, and my husband because they said oh these are wonderful feminine empowering feminine stories. But what about the true leader? What does a true leader look like? And I said well let's start with King Arthur. But anyway that's another show. But it's really important to find. The archetypes, both that when you go on a heroine's class, you're developing your ovate, you're developing your seer, you're, you're connecting back to the land. That's an important adventure for men, too. And, you know, it's also important for a woman to go on a hero's, a hero's quest. They're both important. But in, the, in, the, in a hero's quest, it's an action. You're going out, you're doing, you're achieving. This is fantastic. You know, you might be a warrior, you might be fighting a battle, whatever the battle is. A heroine's class, you're going to be very still. You're going to meditate. You're going to learn how to travel to the other world. You're going to learn how to board the boat and sail to Ternaban or Avalon. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, as you know, because you practice shamanism, there's a, there's a whole process to learning how to safely travel into the other world. And we do have friends and companions. Like when we read these books, like really what I was hoping to do with these books 
is just to introduce a variety of characters. And one of them, like you said, Emer might become one of your friends and might be with you when you journey to the other realms and might open up, open up the enchanted lands to you so that you become a seer, a poet, right? Right. Well, and what I what I love about the book, okay, so we only have like three minutes left and I really wanted to make sure that I got this in, right? One of the okay. things that I really love about the book is that you offer insight on the goddesses and the mythology and the history, but you also offer practices and visualizations and you know like Emer just I'm going to open up to her real quick because that's who we were talking about you have the blessing at the end of it and I love that I love that you give the reader an opportunity to study a bit about it and to incorporate some type of practice so that they can become more acquainted with the goddess and with the earth and I think that that's been missing in a lot of different works that are out there right now. So I really wanted to make sure I said that. I'm grateful that you included that. Wonderful. Yeah, it is, it is a way if you go in and, and um, there, there are a variety of practices and a lot of them, you, can, you learn to follow the golden thread, which is your life purpose and mission, or the, some of the other goddesses, a silver thread to connect to the ancient ones. And they, they're actually, they seem quite easy, but they're, if you really do them and you dedicate yourself, they're quite powerful. And they mm-hmm. do help you locate yourself in this time and place so that you can be the most of who you are. And and that, too, has been lost, right? I mean, we, we get stuck in comparisons and everything else in what's happening with social media and all these other things. And we really get lost in, in who we really are. And I think that people are really craving that. They're craving a connection and digging deeper, not just into the stories, but into who they really are and trusting their destiny. Okay. So we have a minute left and uh, (laughs) listeners, I know it goes by so fast. It's unbelievable. Um, Listeners, the conversation has been with Ayn Kate Sullivan. You'll find all of her information here at the Soulful Living page on Empower Radio. We were talking about um, one of her latest books, Legends of the Grail, Stories of the Celtic Goddesses. Do yourself a favor and grab them no matter what you're doing in life because you'll find some really cool insight. I I love for my guests to leave the listeners with uh, something to take out into the day, elevate their soul, lift their spirit. Um, Just, you know, something, something short and brief. What would that be for you? I think in this day and age with so much going on that it's really important to stay connected to your wondrous inner child, the one who's curious, who asks questions, who is in touch with their creative spirit and know that whatever's going on out there, if you stay, if you stay with your heart and you look at the eyes, with, you look at the world with the eyes of your heart, you can create a new destiny for all of us for yourself and for all of us. And so stay connected to that wondrous child. Don't be frightened of the enchanted world. There's so much magic. So enjoy. Mm, mm, There sure is. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me here today. And I can't wait to do part two, three, and who knows, maybe four. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Okay.
Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.